Good morning, my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ. Normally, when we don't have our Zoom church, you'd be hearing a retread of something I taught a few years or months ago or somebody else taught, but some things are going on in my life, and I am one of these full disclosure pastors. I've already written a book (laughs) that tells the whole world more about my life than I ever dreamed I would do. I was such a private person for the first 68 years. Um, So here goes. Here's some things I'm dealing with, and I'm learning some things, and maybe they'll help you too. And if they do, that's great. And if they don't, I still love you. So today I want to talk about write the vision. And the first thing I thought about was how important is my vision to me? And I started thinking about all the times during the night that I've stubbed my toe in the dark because I can't see. Or uh, once I got trifocals trying to back up my car, oh my gosh, when I would turn around, the only part of my glasses I could see through were the medium and the reading glasses. And I was so, so thankful when I finally got a car with a backup camera. (laughs) Sight, vision, It's very important, and it's something I really thank God for every day. And for the people that don't have it, my heart goes out to them big time. So recently, I've been going through some health issues because, frankly, I lost the vision. I lost focus for my own goals and my own self-care, my personal dreams and goals. And... (laughs) <laughs> in journaling yesterday, I realized that for the last several months, for quite a while, I've sort of been going through most of my days like a Dixie cup on the side of the highway. Whoosh! Paper cup just blown every time a car goes by. What's ha- Whatever happens, happens. And the Lord reminded me yesterday that's not a great way to get from point A to point B. And one of the first verses he brought to my mind was Acts chapter 20, verse 28, which is specifically addressed to leadership in the church, which says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourself, and after that, to all the flock, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, because it's like an airplane. You know, the, one of the first things a stewardess tells you is, you know, in case of emergency, they're doing their little two-finger point to each side of the plane, the exits. In case of emergency, put your own mask on first. Then you can take care of the children or the elderly or the infirm. But genuine leaders, which I pray to God I am, we feel compelled to help the hurting. We're driven with a heart of compassion, and if we're not careful, we end up neglecting ourselves, the issues of our own heart and life. And so I'm dealing with this health issue because there was a hole in my hedge that I allowed the fox to come into the hen house of my heart and mess around with Peg. So number one, in order to get my health back, I got to get my head and heart, two things, reproof, repent for not doing what I know how to do, which is self-care, hello, McFly, knock, knock, and 
you know, the most important part is the correction. How to get back, you know, when an airplane starts to dip, it has something something on it called the attitude uh, on its dashboard. It tells the plane if it's tipping this way or that, going in a certain up or down. Well, you know, we have to do an attitude correction. It's not a sin to get off the ball. It's not a sin to be sick. It's not a sin to make mistakes. But it is kind of a sin to stay there. You know, you don't have to stay stupid. <laughs> you don't have to stay sick. Just realize, Lord, I repent. You know, I've, I lost my focus. I lost my vision. Please help me get back on. And just boom, that quick, that quick. You know, God has already cast our sins as far as the east is from the west before we ever commit them. The only problem has a person who has a problem forgiving Peg is Peg. Well, maybe you do too, but that's on you. <laughs> you've got you've to go repent and, and get corrected. <laughs> but I started asking for help, spiritual help. First, I panicked. You know, I got sick, and i got to be honest with you, my first response was shock, anger, denial. Kind of like when a person dies, I, I kind of had to go through all those negative emotions, and that's okay. Just don't stay there. Because once I got over the shock and the anger and, you know, being upset with this diagnosis, I came back to that place of acceptance where I had to deal with my problem, deal with the adversary. And by God's grace, I started asking God to direct me. Oh, boing, hello, what a brilliant idea, Peg. (laughs) To direct me to my path of correct healing. And by God's grace, a good friend and I were talking, and she happened to mention a book for me to read. And immediately, I, my mind kind of went, oh, God, another self-help book. I've read hundreds of those. And honestly, I was not really excited to do it. But, but, hello, McFly, since I had been praying and asking God to direct my steps That very night, I ordered it and began to read, and voila, the souffle came out of the oven, puffed up, change began began to ensue in my heart. And many, many things happened. I began to journal and to read more and to journal more, and and I'm on my way to wellness. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't get a miraculous healing because um, I dug myself into a pretty deep hole, and God is more than willing to help me out. My job is to continue to seek His will, to have patience with myself, and let God be my north star to direct me back to complete homeostasis. You know, if you think of those balances in the justice department, the the scale with the balances. My balance is way out right now because I let myself <laughs> lose focus. I'm, I, I took my eye off the bullseye. So part of my healing is, is getting refocused on my personal life. And in doing that, writing the vision down on paper, on paper, the vision, write it down on paper. You know, Years ago, gosh, I guess in 1979 in Bible college, we were told to write down 100 things we wanted to achieve in life 
if there were no obstacles in our way, if anything was possible. And I forgot about that piece of paper, honestly, for about 15 or 20 years. And one day I pulled it out. And I mean, I sat there in shock. Because 76, 76 of those 100 things that seemed pretty improbable at the time in 1979, they had already happened in my life. And then as I, as I studied those different events, most of them involved, to one degree or another, God's divine intervention. He had been part and parcel to bringing those dreams to pass. And that's why today I want to remind us all of the power of the written word and the power of your written words. Why journaling? I probably have 35 or 40 journals. I have a shelf and a half of just journals that I started doing before I even knew about Jesus, before I reconnected with Jesus, back when I was in my crazy days in Tahoe. I would sit up on my rock over Emerald Bay and journal about life. Journaling is is part and parcel to me. At times I forget and sometimes I realize I haven't done it for weeks and a couple times even months. But gosh, it's so powerful that when God is speaking to our heart, we write it down. And Jesus kind of, you know, like a kitten, he kind of took me by the scruff of the neck and said, in no uncertain terms, he said, Pego, (laughs) Jesus calls me that when he loves me. (laughs) When he's upset, he says, Margaret. He said, Pego, if you don't take charge of your future, the devil, the devil, Satan, will be happy to do so. And that's what happens when we lose sight of taking care of ourselves first, putting on our oxygen mask. And so I knew what I needed to do, and, and the book was really good about spurring this on, is I needed to write the vision for my life, for my family, for my future, and some other things. We're going to get into that at the end. And boy, this verse just came up to me because when I was a new believer, I was into Dale Carnegie, uh, all these people, uh, wonderful speakers, power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peale. I had vision boards. I wrote in my journals because of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen which simply says where there's no vision, the people wander aimlessly. That's, I had become that Dixie cup. Life was happening to me rather than me taking the reins. Another translation is where there's no vision, the people perish. Oh, perish the thought. Yeah, well, (laughs) a fox came in and stole a few of my eggs out of the hen house, and now I've got to replenish that. But I'm on the path. So I was a big-time athlete when I was young. My big games were basketball and tennis. And I knew that, I mean, I can't even remember how many times the whole team would leave and I would still be doing wind sprints in the gymnasium. I'd be at the foul line making foul shot after foul shot after foul shot. I'd be working on my layup. I'd be working on my hook from the top of the key. Because no matter how many games I played, I understood if I didn't come back to the basics, hone the basics over and over, I was going to lose my edge. And here's the deal. This is my life. This is your life. God gave each one of us the gift, the gift 
the gift of our own lives. It says in Ephesians, before we got born again, we were led by Satan. We're not anymore, or we don't have to be. This is your life. This is my life. And that's why every single day is called the present. The present, if we live it with God. So speaking for myself, God gave me this new life in Christ to steward. It's not, I don't even own this life. It says, I don't even own it. I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I'm here to glorify God in my spirit. And if I let my mojo run out, I don't have much to do to help God. So I had to get real. I chart the course of my destiny. I'm the captain of my ship. I am or should be (laughs) the master of my fate unless I turn it over subconsciously or some other way. But here's the coolest part. You and I, we have Jesus right here with us to help us chart that course. And I know some of you are thinking, Peg, I don't have to write this down. I don't need a vision. God's going to tell me every day what I need to do. Well, why don't you look at Jeremiah 29, 11? Because guess what? God has a vision for your life. And the number one key to finding out what that is, is get quiet and ask him. But ask him honestly, not pompously, like, what can I do to fix everybody else? No, what do I need to do to be whole with you, Papa? What do I need to do to take care of Peg, to be in harmony, the vine and the branches, John 15, the vine and the branches, to be in harmony with you so I have to give to him that needs. Because folks, this isn't the first time I've suffered from burnout, not mentally, but physically. And Jeremiah 29, 11, this is probably a familiar verse to a lot of you. God, God, the big guy, (laughs) he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you what? To give you hope and a future. God has plans for us. God has plans for us. He knows those plans. So do you think one of the places to start would be to ask God what those plans are? Well, yes, because it says so in the next verse. Then call on me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you know what he will do? He will show us the way. The way. (laughs) Isn't it just amazing? He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's where our vision comes from, folks. Seeking him. Letting him show us the real desires of our heart. It says in another place in Jeremiah, we don't even know what's in the heart, in our own heart. We have to ask God and get his spirit to be the candle and light the way and show us what's in our heart. (laughs) Man, but every answer to life is in God. Every answer to life is in this book of life. 
called the Bible. You know, Bible just means book. But the reason it's just called Bible is because it's the book. <laughs> it's, it's the big kahuna book. It's the book we all need. So looking at Jeremiah and taking our cue from God, then a few things our vision will include would be number one, prosperity, because his vision, his plans is to prosper us. And we got to get prosperity right because Romans 14 says that um, the kingdom of God, the prosperity of the kingdom of God is not necessarily in food and drink. It's not necessarily going to start in the physical, but it's in, it's in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we get to that place where we move back into John 15, where the branch has been kind of broken off a little bit from the vine, who is Jesus, and we reconnect to that source of life, the first thing that happens is you just feel right. You feel better in your mind. You just feel a peace come over you because you know you're back in the game. You're back on the target. You're back on the field. Then those things we need in the census realm, you know, the housing, the clothes, these things that all are talked about in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, these things we need in the physical realm, they're going to come like a tail on a dog. When we seek first to get ourselves centered, homeostasis, things in balance, living our thoughts, thought life in the kingdom of God. So number one, he's going to wish on us. He, God wishes for us because he wishes above all things we would prosper and be in health, it says in Third John. The number one thing God wishes or wants for us to have is prosperity, right, rightness, a right being centered, centered in his what? And feeling right with him. And feeling Jesus' kind of peace in our soul and a joy that can't come from the world. It can only come from the Holy Spirit. Number two, God's vision for us is that no harm comes to us, including sickness. That's never the will of God. Satan is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is the healer. Please never forget that. If healing, if God gave healing to make you humble, then Jesus would have gone around giving sickness to everybody because there was around a lot of people that were full of pride. God never gives sickness. It slides in when we lose focus of who we are in Christ. And number three, we learn from Jeremiah that God has hope. So he wants to fill you with his, his kind of hope, which is the confident expectation of something good. For the what? What was that word in, in Jeremiah 29? He said, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's what he wants us to write about. His vision for our future. That vision board in our heart with images of what God wants us to do in the future. And I highly encourage you to not just sit down there and say, well, Peg, what would make you happy today? Peg, what would make you feel important in the next three? No, to humbly come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't even know my own heart. What do I really need in my life, in my family, in my future that you know is your good plan for me, the best plan for me? 
And to do that, we have to start with one simple thing. Get quiet and ask. Go to Luke chapter 11, please. Luke chapter 11. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. This is right after he's given the Our Father, a few verses before this in Luke. And what's the first thing we do in in the Our Father? We ask that his kingdom come, his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God has set up this whole life thing that we have to ask, can can God do anything? Yes, God can do anything. (laughs) But God says he wants us to ask, seek, and knock because he wants relationship with us. After, After the new birth, the greatest thing God gave us is free will. He wants us to live life with Father because we choose to. And Jesus said many places when we ask in faith, we're absolutely unequivocally going to receive it. You know, people have watered that down, calling it the law of attraction. It's really the law of faith, the law of believing. When we trust God for anything, he always says yes if it's according to his word. I don't like the law of attraction because it takes God out of the equation most of the time. But hey... You know, these laws are spiritual laws. They work for saint and sinner alike. And oftentimes, the sinners, the God-haters, are using this ask, seek, and knock principle, spiritual law, more than God's children are. And that's sad. (laughs) This law was given in the spirit realm for God's children. But anyone who finds a spiritual law can tap into it whether they're born again or not because they're spiritual laws like, you know, laws in nature. Water seeks the lowest point. They're going to they're work every time for whoever, whosoever, whosoever picks them up. Verse 10 in Luke 11. There it is for everyone. <laughs> There's no caveat there. For everyone that asks receives. And he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be opened. And that, those great verses, if a son asks bread, is, is the father going to give him a stone? No. If you ask fish, are you going to give him a snake? No. If you ask an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? No. And if, and if human fathers, being more evil, they're, they're not as righteous as God because we're not perfect, we're imperfect, know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? There's another, that's, this record is recorded in another gospel. It says, give good things to those that ask. Folks, what's more important than your future? What's more important than what you're going to do with the rest of your life? What's more important than how you're going to help other people find God in their life? What's more important than loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? So when I read that statement, I had to say, you know, Peg, what does ask, seek, and knock? What does that look, look like to you? What does that mean? It means to ask God to help to give me a picture in my heart of where he and I can go together. 
Like I said, God can do anything. But he has set up these spiritual laws where we are given the prompt to ask and then he responds according to our trust in him. (laughs) What would your life look like today if you just really and truly buckled down and got kingdom-minded? Because when we pray the Our Father, the first place the kingdom's got to come is all over you. (laughs) That you feel right with God. You feel close to God. You feel the peace of God. You feel the joy of God. You, you know, you walk around with God confidence. I, I really loathe the word self-confidence because I of myself can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. But I revel like Izzy rolling around in the grass in the backyard in God confidence. My confidence is in the Lord. My confidence is in the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And that Our Father, you know, that there's a lot of things Christians disagree on, but you know, if you stand up and do the Our Father, the whole audience can say it. It's such an amazing prayer to ask God for his kingdom to come, first of all, in, all up inside of us. And then we've got a good case of it so we can spread it. We can spread it to our family, our church, and our friends. And, you know, in that prayer is give us this day our daily bread. That's, again, like John 15, the vine and the branches. We're supposed to kind of live in this spirit, this attitude of heart, sort of walking and talking with God throughout the day. You know, my first hour of every day, don't bother me. I'm in prayer. I'm in meditation. I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm trying to get my compass straight to start my day with the Lord. And to me, he deserves the best of my time and attention. Everybody's got to figure out their own time and place, afternoon, night, whatever works for you. Top of the day works for Pego. And we need to ask God to help us see the vision for our tomorrow. We're not locked into it. It's flexible planning. I get it. But if you, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. If you aim at nothing, so at least have a direction, have a vision for where you want to go. You can correct your attitude. You can correct some things around it. But where there's no vision, the people perish. And that's why Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision. (laughs) Make it plain upon the paper that he may run towards that vision who reads it. I go back and read my journals frequently to keep myself. Where, Where was I then? Did this happen? How could I do it better? Remembering that the kingdom of God is not primarily in meat and drink. We need those things, but they're not at the top of my list. Right living, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, when we write our vision, God will show us some stuff that may be included, but it's mostly about the growth in our heart life. Our closeness with God and man, loving yourself like Jesus loves you. And he loved you enough to lay down his life for you. Golly smokes. I'm still working on that. And then if we loved ourselves like God loved us, if we felt right with God, if we had his confidence and peace and joy, 
what would that look like in, as a practical outcome? What would the practical outcome of that be? What would be your soul's sincere desire? What would it feel like if you really knew that you are, A-R-E, well-pleasing to God right now? He loves you warts and all. He just wants you to get back on the beam. Because if we don't see the vision of ourself being loved and hugged and adored by God, I'll never have it. If you don't see it, you're not going to get it. You're going to attract whatever you're seeing about yourself in your heart. You know, and I'm sitting here as example number one. You know, one of the greatest things, this just came to me, one of the greatest things, and I used to just take Ephesians 3 so for granted, 2 and 3. Those are such phenomenal chapters. He spends all of chapter 3 saying that God, that Jesus on the cross, through the blood, he made peace between me and God. He made peace between you and God. We are no longer those worms groveling, God, throw me a breadcrumb. We are seated in the heavenlies with God and Jesus, his own precious child that he loves so much. He's his only begotten son laid down his life for you. You are... What, how do you put a price? That's the price God put on you. You are worth everything, more than everything to God. That would be the first vision you really need to get a hold of. Because, <laughs> you know, here's something. This is not a newsflash. The world is in a mess. The world is a hot mess. It is a dirty child pooping all over the floor with food all over its face and messy diapers and in a frenzy, in a, in a having a meltdown. We don't, that's not a news flash. We don't even need to look at the internet or the or papers. Do they have papers anymore to know what the world is like? And I know people that get their panties all in a bunch because the world is in a mess. Honey, getting your panties in a bunch is not going to help. The first thing that's going to help set the world straight is to get God's peace back inside of you is to get God's peace back inside of you to get yourself myself right with God to get my God confidence not turned up to a 10 but to an 11 I read a great verse yesterday that God says your enemies are his enemies he wants to fight your battles with you he's not going to do it for you but he'll do it with you an enemy is sickness. An enemy is poverty. An enemy is depression. An enemy is lack of joy. An enemy is no money to pay your bills. Those are God's enemies too. He wants to fight them with you, to set your life right, to take you out of the miry clay, it says in Psalms, and set you upon his rock, Jesus, who gives us all things richly to enjoy. Does that sound like God's running out of anything? Like if he gives it to you, he can't give it to Susie Q? No, God has an abundance of everything so that you can have to give to him that needs. 
Honey, when you get yourself right with God, wow. (laughs) To sit down and begin to see your future with the King. King Jesus. Blessing your life so you can say, here I am, send me. You have something to give and offer a hurting world. And then you get so full of peace and joy and love that becomes contagious. And honey, that, number three, that's the catalyst to God healing our planet. Get yourself straight and then share it. Let that be contagious. Even science, isn't this weird? Science, scientists are just catching up with the Bible. Even they know that love has a much higher vibration than anger, fear, and wrath. Love is so much more powerful than hate, people. Let's just be filled with love. Let's just be little love muffins, little love puppies, little love magnets, filled with trust in God and hope for our fellow man, for God to direct our steps. But if we don't see it, where there's no vision, where there's no godly vision, the people perish. Step number one, save the cheerleader, save the world. (laughs) Get yourself right with God. And the Bible says, people come to me all the time, Peg, how do I know if I'm right with God? It's very simple. The Bible says there's joy and peace in believing. You will know you're right with God because you have two things. You have joy and peace. When I want to know if my acid balance is right with my body, I have a little litmus piece of paper I can stick in my urine, and it tells me where my pH balance is. You know, you, if you want to know if you're right with God, your litmus test is do you have joy and peace? If not, you've got to sit down, <laughs> do some writing at the first opportunity. So we're going to do some journaling here. And we are going to write the vision, some goals down. And remember that when you write this stuff, it says when you pray. And prayer is just talking to God. So writing in your journal is a form of prayer. The Bible says when you pray, believe. You know, believe, go back and reread this stuff until it gets ingrained in you and you start seeing it more and more in your life so that you're exercising your faith. You've already got the faith of Jesus. You just have to exercise it. And the thing is, God wouldn't tell us to write the vision. He wouldn't tell us to journal. He wouldn't tell us to do any of these things if he did not want to give it to you. He wants to give you this. He wants to bless your life. He wants to give us healing. He wants us to have joy and peace. He's not, he doesn't have his foot on the hose, folks. I do. You do. <laughs> we got to take our foot off the hose and let him flow. Let him flow into our life. What would it feel like to know that you are in the center of God's will all throughout your day. You say, well, Jesus did it, you know, but there, that's right, he did. But there's a human being who lived this way. You, you should read his books sometimes. His name is George Mueller. And he funded dozens of orphanages and helped tens of thousands of orphans without ever having a fundraiser just by believing God to supply his need. G-E-O-R-G-E-M-U-E-L-L-E-R, George Mueller. Truth is truth. He went through his whole day believing anything is possible. 
So when we get that that vision, that godly vision for our future, honey, it's a new day, it's a new dawn, it's a new song, and I'm feeling good. <laughs> so here we go. And you don't you don't have to you can start this now. I'm going to put on some music, or you can listen to the teaching, or you can just write these three things down. But I suggest whenever you journal, pray first before you journal. And I would pray something like this: Lord Jesus. With you, anything is possible. Father promised this in Matthew 6, the whole chapter. But we also know where there's no vision, the people perish. So Lord Jesus, help me see my true self. Help me see my true wants and needs on a spiritual plane so that I can live the life that you've called me to live. Help me see the vision of my best life. In your precious name, amen and amen. And then just open up your journal and um, or write this down on a piece of paper. Here are three things that I would write, like for you to journal about. Ask the Lord Jesus, what is the vision for my life? Today, tomorrow, the next day, including my health. Number two, what is your vision for my family and building friendships on this earth? Number three, what is your vision for my work, my career, my job, and my fellow workers? So, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that these wonderful folks can take some time to write the vision Make it plain upon the table. They may not write it all today. They may come back and write more tomorrow. And that's the way it should be. We fine-tune it as we live. But Lord, we all know you'll speak to every single one of your children. And I ask you to do that right now in your precious love for us. And I'm just going to play some music. If you want to write now, great. If not, get your own music and write it later. Love you. God bless you. You are the best. Mm -hmm.